Hello and welcome to Locked On Marlins, your daily Marlins podcast from the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Peter Pratt. This is Thursday's edition and I have a UK friend, another British man, back. Sean Barrett by popular demand is back in the house. I told you he was on regular rotation. He did text me the other day and said, sounds like I'm on the show, Pete. He's obviously listening, so that's the first tick. Sean Barrett back in the house on Locked On. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well, Pete. Yeah, really enjoying the show so far. Glad to be back. And uh, hopefully I don't mess it up this time either. <laughs> Absolutely not. Hey, listen, the, the funny thing, um, well, nice thing, not funny, but nice, was that uh, people obviously tune into Locked On Marlins. Maybe it's the first time they've listened. Maybe they've been long-standing listeners. I don't know. And maybe they don't listen to Fish Across the Pond. So we're kind of maybe bridging into some new audiences. And it was great that I had some direct feedback saying, who is this guy, Sean? He is absolutely top draw. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but that's effectively what he was saying. So, you know, happy days. People like the voice. Uh, they'll like the beard too when we get the YouTube stream fired up in the next week or so. So they'll be liking that. But um, great to have you back, buddy. And you were involved in episode two of, of my tenure. And in reality, it was wild. Absolutely wild that week. There was so much happening, so much buzz that we that we managed to cover. Obviously, now we're into winter now. We are into the deepest, darkest winter that MLB has seen for 25 years or whatever. But we're going to spend the time on this podcast really looking back at all that activity that happened in the, you know, in the lead up to the lockout. And then also, I want to get your take on center field in particular as well, because I've been running through solo on the center field options. I've put it out on Twitter too, but I'd like to get your take and kind of have a bit of discussion around this. Am, am I wildly off mark? Am I wild? Who am I missing? All these kind of questions. So let's get into and let's start with the activity. The last time we spoke, Avi Garcia had just signed for the Marlins. We dug into that in depth. The next day, Jacob Stallings trade dropped as well. Massive bomb. Just give me a take on Stallings and that move. The Marlins going and getting their everyday catcher for the 22 season and beyond. I think you described it perfectly there, Pete, as they've got their everyday catcher. He's a guy that you know you're going to plug in and play. He's going to be, you know, 400, 500 at bats. It's always a bit tough with a catcher, but you know you're going to need a backup. It's a tough position to play. But no, he is, to me, he is the best option for the Marlins to go for because you've mm -hmm. got yourself an everyday catcher who we spoke before about the idea of having you know, a catcher and a centre fielder who can wipe their own face offensively, give you, you know, a, a hundred WRC plus, but give you that elite defence. I think I heard you talking earlier in the week about the idea of having that backbone, that catcher, shortstop, centre field defence. Yeah. That's absolutely invaluable to a team. And that's what they've brought in with Stallings. Now, offensively, you know, you heard so much from people saying... Oh, he's not actually that good of a bat. To be fair to him, he is, for a catcher, pretty good. Took a little bit of a deep dive, don't want to go too far into it. But of everyday catchers, so catchers with 400 at-bats or more last year, uh, 0.64 warped K rate. That is second best only to Buster Posey. Yep. He just retired. So to me, he's number one. And I talk far too much about Ks and warps. But that's because that's all we've ever seen from the Marlins. Uh, you know, low walk rates, high K rates. 
This is a guy that absolutely, when we watch him day in, day out, we are going to be so pleased that he's behind the dish. 100%. Did you see that that um, video on Twitter as well? It was from, I believe, his Pirates days, but he's talking about the intricacies of catching and framing, and I was just like, oh boy, this is what we've been missing, right? Stunning clip. He's talking about holding his glove horizontal through the zone, all sorts of stuff. Stunning. Was there anyone... Was there anyone else that you would have preferred that the Marlins made the move on a catcher or was Stallings for you the number one dude? I think, I think to be fair, there, was, there weren't too many options. Obviously, free agency, we heard earlier uh, in the week or last week about them going after uh, Pena, mm-hmm. Manny Pena for a one-year four million. To be fair, that would have been disappointing in, in my book. He was probably one of the better free agents out there, but just underwhelming maybe that was just as a, as a backup catcher who who knows um but no with Stallings you've got a guy that's you know he's not earning too much money defensively he's fantastic we've got since 2019 42 defensive runs saved that's the best in baseball yeah so defense not only is he you know major league average offensively he's arguably the best defensive catcher out there yeah and you're right Pete, that video I mean, that's worlds apart from what we're used to seeing from the the, the catching uh, scenario at the Marlins. So this is this is just a fantastic signing for different level. You're right. The old videos of uh, the old catcher that's now traded, that's now a Padre, but the old videos are more Instagram clips of him going and buying merchandise and dancing around. We didn't see any technical clips of his defensive capabilities. That is for sure. So great trade. Love the trade. I've already called it. He is the best catcher in baseball. If you strip it back and the catcher is a catcher, he is. Um, maybe some would argue the offensive production um, feeds into that that description. But for me, Stallings is the best catcher right now, and I absolutely love the deal. Great deal for the Marlins on, on that one. So that dropped. Danny DeVivo helped to break that one down as well last week and, and talk about the prospect side, which was really valuable. Um, the next drop was Joey Wendell. And this one, this one caught me off guard, but I think will be one that we that I liked, and I talked about how much I liked it, but I want to get your take. But I have a sense because we talked about depth, infield depth, you know, all of these topics before, and I think we're aligned on that, but just kind of assess your view on the Wendell acquisition. You know, give me the one to ten on the surprise-ometer, the shock-ometer on that one, because I, I did not see that one happening, but now it has. What's the take on it for you? Yeah, no, initially, you've got, you've got to give it a, a nine. I'd go full ten, but I think this is probably like the tenth trade we've done with Tampa in the last yeah. couple of years, so you can't go the full ten. But no, it kind of came out of nowhere. But to be honest, you know, reviewing it, it kind of makes all the sense in the world. Mm. Really does. You're right. The uh, the Rays and Marlins hookup is is strong now. The you know a few years ago the view was you you shouldn't trade with Tampa. I mean, are, are we just getting fleeced here with with deals? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I thought it was an interesting price tag on Wendell because the talk was that they may non tender him. That's kind of how it started to snowball. Of you know maybe he's going to be non tendered and then. The Marlins end up giving away, not giving away, but including you know, one of the top hitting prospects in the system. Not the top, but you know, he was a top 15 in the system type of guy that a lot of people were high on. And so what was your take on the actual 
return or package that the Rays managed to secure for perhaps someone they were about to non-tender. No, you're right. They, there is the case of, you know, the whole point of the 40-man roster is that, you know, that supply of and demand of, of players. If you can't fit 40 men into your roster, then you've got to let teams have that option. Wendell was far too good to ever get through that situation. Teams were going to be, you know, knocking on the door for him. He is a quality major league player. Uh, so in this case, it's a case of, you know, the Rays couldn't, uh, fit him in the slot and the Marlins were there to, ready to pick it up. As far as Misner goes, it's really hard to say. I'm not massive on the prospects, especially when you get past the, you know, the blue chips, but you know, he's a player that, <laughs> yeah, we always say don't trade with Tampa. He's that player that maybe there were a few warts in his, his game. The contract rate wasn't fantastic. Um, so it is a case of we'll wait and see on that as far as what Tampa do with them. But yeah, no, I I've always said Tampa seemed to be the smartest baseball team going. Yeah. Um, so whenever you're dealing with them, you always have a little bit of worry. But for me, Wendell is is a guy that the Marlins absolutely needed. Yeah, completely with you. I mean. He fits so many holes that appeared in the 2021 season. Plus, this was the thing that completely caught me off guard. He was an all-star in 2021. I, I didn't even know that. And I didn't realize just how good he was. I was, you know, I've seen him and my impressions are always favorable. But I didn't realize he was an all-star. The Marlins go and get an all-star for effectively a, a top 15 in the system prospect. It's an absolute no-brainer. It should be. For an area that A, Brian Anderson, who knows? We already don't know where, what was happening with BA. Um, plus, every other option that was around last year didn't pan out. You know, Isan Diaz, all these other dudes, there was just no depth. No depth, so. Yeah, no, you're right, Pete. The depth last year was dreadful. Um, again, I've had a little play. Last year, I've got some names for you. Sierra, 41 plate appearances. Panic, 23 plate appearances. Isan Diaz, 23 plate appearances. And Leon, Sandy Leon, 21 plate appearances. They were our pinch hitters last year. Give me those names again. Who did we have there? Sorry, Panic. Sierra, 41. Panic, 23. Isan Mm. Diaz, 23. And Sandy Leon, 21. It gets worse. Trevor Rogers, Poteet, Curtis, and Bender, all had plate appearances last year as pinch hitters. I know. This This is the bit. And those situations you're talking about, it. okay, the panics, Isan Diaz's, okay. I'm okay with them. But last year, those relievers and Trevor Rogers, and I'm, you know, throw Petit in there too, pinch hitting in the sixth, seventh, or eighth, or whatever roles it was, in games that we were in and close, and it happened so many times. It was so frustrating. So, so frustrating. We've said it multiple times already. The bench. It's all about the bench. If, if it indeed this means that Joey Wendell is coming off the bench from the left side and looking to do some damage in the seventh inning, sign me up. Sign me up. Absolutely. Makes so much sense. If Cooper Loop is coming off the bench in the eighth or ninth, hitting from the right side because the matchup works, Sign me up. Like all of a sudden, if everyone's healthy and no one, no, everyone won't be healthy. But if they are, if Wendell and Cooper on your bench or 
you know, B.A. and Jesus Sanchez are on the bench or B.A. and Aguilar, plus a few other dudes, like all of a sudden it's a completely different, it's a completely different roster. Like it's, it's just night and day difference. Um, so I'm with you, mate. I love the Wendell deal. It completely caught me off guard. Like you, it was a nine on the shockometer. It wasn't a 10 because as soon as I heard that in Twitter early in the day, I was like, Ooh, Ooh, okay. You know, could fit the profile, could get him. And so, but yeah, really seemed to come quickly that one, which was interesting. So, Okay, well, let's let's hit the pause button and get into some U.S. ads with a U.K. twist, and then we'll we'll kind of cover the final bits of news and nuggets and also get into the center field discussion that, that I've been having on my own the past couple of days and be nice to talk to someone else about that. But um, firstly, guys, there is, is it, there's, there's an old friend. So let's start with an old friend of Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered all season, more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football season continues the march to the playoffs, fins up. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all sports action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website, sign up today, and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on, all one word locked on, to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet for all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. And here we go, guys. There's a new one, a new ad. This is, this is wonderful. I've been looking forward to this. So we're going to get into stance.com. Stance.com. If you're wondering, if you haven't heard of these guys, they're founded in 2009. Stance Apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel with a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity. Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborators for the ultimate in style and self-expression because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. Woo, boy, oh boy, Stance sound immense. I've been scrolling through the website looking for my favorite items and there's tons. And I think an atypical aesthetic uh, alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborators. I mean, boy, oh boy, this sounds immense. Get yourself on the stance.com. For me, I've gone straight to the boxer shorts, straight into the boxers. And my personal favorites thus far is the Princeton boxer brief, <laughs> Princeton boxer brief. There's absolutely tons of them. Radical designs. Um, so go and check out all of the designs there. The socks are also amazing. Sean also was having his eyeballs on the site. And I believe managed to spot some Mets socks on there. Is that correct, Sean? Indeed. Wear the Marlins socks. That's what I want. Absolutely. Right Come on, stance.com. We need to get the Marlins socks in there, fired up. There were some Mets ones, but yeah, stance.com. Going with, well, wild designs uh, for sure. Really unique items, I'd say, both on socks, boxes. The Princeton was the one that, that I definitely um, caught my eye first on the boxes front. So Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in that those who feel good do good. Go see for yourself. Register for an account at stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase. Use promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, LOCKEDON, at checkout to apply. 
Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. Whew, they sound sensational. Really, really sensational. Love the new ads, US ads with a British twist. I hope they ship to the UK. I need to work that out. Do they ship to the UK? We're going to find that out. So, okay. Sean, let's let's kind of mop up some items here as well from last last week or so. First of all, well, first of all, Starling Marte signs with the Mets. Four years, 78 mil, big, big deal for Marte. What was your, I mean, he's in the staying in the division. We're going to be seeing Starling for four more years as a Met. The interesting piece I want to get your take on was this is from the Herald's article. The Marlins were back in, and they also went back in with the fourth year as well. Didn't get to the 70s, I don't believe, in terms of overall money. But did it shock you that they ended up going back in with that fourth year that seemingly was the sticking point originally? I think that's kind of the crux of it on this one. So, you know, were you surprised that the Marlins went back in and tried to do a deal? Or, you know, they should have been, I guess. Yeah, no, absolutely. They should have definitely been in the market for Marte. We, we saw last year what he brought to the table, I think, Whenever you let a player go through into free agency, you're always then at the mercy of, of bidding with 30 other teams. And the Marlins, being a small market team, are always going to be competing against teams with far much more money. Mm. Four years, 78 million for the Mets. I mean, they're in division, so we're going to have plenty of opportunity to see if that was uh, a good value or not. I think realistically, the way the Marlins probably looked at it was, we can't go four years as an extension, but if we trade him away now, get something back as it is, they got Lazardo, a guy that could realistically be a, you know, a genuine starter, a guy that can give them 150 to 200 innings next year. We saw last year how valuable having major league guys who can give you six to seven innings uh, a start rather than going bullpen, you know, and then in, going into free agency, we've got some return from Marte. Mm-hmm. Now we can kind of justify the, the, the fourth year now. But as it was, they went in. They went in with far more money than they did before with the extension. But, you know, the New York Mets blew the, the deal out of the water. They did. They absolutely did. I, I spoke about this wrapping up yesterday's episode, that the, the free agency market is not one where the Marlins are going to acquire the top talent because they don't have the financial backing to make it happen. And this is where it comes back to it. It's all about trade season for the Marlins because in that world, in that game, they have, they have the capital to go away and make these deals happen. So that's why, you know, a top 20 player in the game, top 25, whatever, whatever, you know, however you, you value Marte, but you know, for me, he's right up there. It's going to be very hard to acquire those guys in free agency because there's there's 29 other teams that, in the main, have more dough, and um, you know maybe in different stages of their their journey right now. So yeah, it was it was a great I think it's a great deal for the Mets. I absolutely love it for them, by the way. And uh, we're going to see a lot of a, a lot a lot of them. And I think yeah, their outfield now they they kind of went bang 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 all of a sudden did what Canna, Marte, Eduardo Escobar all in the space of an hour or something. The Mets have fully loaded up and spent a load of dough, which was interesting. Um, the fallout of it all, though, Sean, um, Lewis Brinson, you would, you talked about it on your last appearance. You know, who may be the guy who goes for Avi Garcia, I think. In the end, Lewis Brinson was DFA'd. It was time to go for Brince. Um, the right decision, I expect, you agree with? 
Yeah, hundred percent. It was, <laughs> it was, a, it was a right call, and yeah. uh, I think the writing was on the wall. We all knew it was coming. No options for Brent. I think that was the end. You know, that was the problem for him. There's no options left. There was other guys that could have moved maybe, but you know, I think going into the year that they're not expecting Brent. He's then he was DFA'd and then uh, elected free agency after that. So Brent has now uh, left the, the Marlins organization. I wish him well. Always will. We'll always be a fan of Brent and absolutely love him as a guy. Um, and as you know, the the way he was with the media, the fans, you know, never, never hid, never, never hid um, from anything. Clearly, it didn't go the way he wanted. But I wish him well wherever he lands. Another guy who's landed somewhere else, Georgie Alfaro, mate. The Marlins. Did it all pay off? Was it all worth it? Left field closer, catcher, first base. They managed to find some trade partner for Georgie Alfaro. Are you shocked that they managed to get that done? Absolutely, and I think I think a lot of people should be. I mean, whatever they did, as far as trying to retain any kind of value for a player who's going to earn far too much more money in arbitration than he actually warrants, was yep. a, was amazing. It's a player to be named later. It's probably a guy that's never going to reach the majors, and we'll never be told who he was. Probably, it's not going to be that big of a deal. But is it better than just waving him and having him elect free agency? Absolutely. They got something for some, well, essentially nothing. I mean, it feels like good business, right? You're about to cut a guy and you manage to get a player to be named later that, like you said, will be a, you know, low level prospect, I guess. But I'm sure they'll find someone. They'll find someone, the Marlins. They, you know, they're cute. They managed to, did, was it something similar with the Griffin Conine deal? Jonathan VR was it co nine and a play to be named later, I think, perhaps, and they managed to get an arm that actually um, some people like the arm that came back from that one from from Toronto. So um, I may be mistaken on that, but either way, um, it wouldn't shock me if they they found someone that produced at some sort of you know capacity in the minor leagues. But either way, to get any kind of trade done for Alfaro, wild considering they were about to cut him clearly. Uh, but I guess the Padres thought, you know what, we'll we'll take it on. Francisco Savelli is now with the Padres, so he knows Alfaro, um, you know, full of tools. The defense got worse and the offense did slightly get better. Like the offense did slightly get better, not much so, but the defense really just declined heavily. So, you know, maybe they just see him as a potential, you know, platoon pinch hitting DH or something that doesn't really do much catching. I don't know. Maybe a change of scenery will work. Maybe the West Coast will work for Georgie. Again, wish him well. I always loved his presses. He was great in the presses and was very, very open and honest. Um, and, you know, was hurt by not, well, being benched in the playoffs. That hurt him. He went away, tried to make himself better, came back. It hasn't worked out. Again, we wish him well. But for the Marlins to get a deal done for Georgie Alfaro, again, was was wild. All this experimentation, I guess, paid off. So there we go. Um, we're now in a lockout, Sean. We're locked out. Uh, what's just give me your? I haven't pre- uh, prepped you up for this, so this might be hard to you know to answer on the fly. But give me your regular season number of games. <laughs> Normally one six two. In twenty twenty two, what does the regular season hold for the Marlins? How many games do you think they will play in the regular season? I really want to say 161 just for how many times they've played 161 because range out games have no reason to be played so they don't play it. But no, it's 162. Yeah, I don't you think, see, it, you think it's done? I don't see there's any other way. Will it be on time? Uh, maybe not. But 
obviously both both sides, the players' union and the owners, they're they're fighting over pieces of the pie, and then specific different sort of situations as well. Mm. Any games lost ultimately hurt both sides. So will one side acquiesce to the other on a small detail here or there just to get playing in time to play 162? Because, you know, if we play less games, then there's there's less money coming into the teams and the owners and the players are going to get pro-rated. So I think ultimately it might be delayed. It might get messy. It it will get messy. It will get messy, no doubt. (laughs) They will play 162 games in my mind. Yep. How the the really interesting part for me is the fact that this we we saw it in 2020 as well. It's the propaganda and whatever through social media, like that has become just the norm. Um, you know, Rob Manfred's letter wasn't, I mean, that wasn't social, I mean, it was on Twitter, but it was just Rob Manfred's letter just published out there. And that was like the start of it, like a kind of warning shot over to the players, like and kind of calling out the players to say, come to the table. It's a bit like, mm, not convinced on that one. It was, you know, it's it, it felt a bit of a, a one-sided letter, let's say. But nevertheless, it's going to get messy, isn't it? Because you just like, people just pump stuff into Twitter and it blows up and, you know, it's just going to be, me- it is going to be messy. And the problem is the fan, the common fan, me and you sat here, you know, just, it, it it's hard to watch. It's one of those things that are just really hard to watch, isn't it? Because, Billionaires and millionaires fighting with each other, perhaps. But in reality, I think that the the stances that need to be taken actually impact kind of the lower ends of the of, of the spectrum. And that's where it's whether the guys at the top end of the spectrum spectrum can hold their nerve. Can they see it through? I think that's the question for the players. Can they hold their nerve enough to make good what needs to happen to support the lower league guys and the you know the the league minimum guys but time will tell it's going to be messy i i I think that there will be some games lost is my my gut feel on it um because i think that that's the clear negotiating tactic like for the owner like the owners still will be having income sources elsewhere the players if games start to go They'll start to feel the burn. They'll feel the pain. And then it's like, how, how can you withstand that? You know, and try and the owners will use that to their benefit. That's just my, you know, if I was negotiating, if I was an owner, that's absolutely what I would do if I wanted a, a better deal and to squeeze the guys. But either way, we're into a lockout, mate. It's going to be an interesting few months because the reality is nothing will happen and nothing has to happen really until kind of spring, right? You know, there isn't a need to get a deal done. But for me and you, in the media commenting on the Marlins for the next two months, uh, three months, hopefully not longer, without anything to talk about you. <laughs> it's going to be tough for us, right? Oh, absolutely. I'm not, I'm not sure I'd quite describe myself as being in the media personally. You are now. There we go. No, as you as you put it, the owners are always at an advantage when we come to these sort of labour ne- negotiations because the owners, they're looking long-term. They've got... 20 30 40 years where they're owning this business and it is a business mm-hmm. and the players there are players in the league right now there's players even at the beginning of their careers who look at this length of however long the labor agreement is five years i think it is mm-hmm. and thinking that's my career yeah like i don't care what happens in the next labor agreement this is my career this is where i'm going to earn my money yeah. and it's interesting that the, the way you described it with 
billionaires versus millionaires, because that's actually a phrase that comes from the owners. That is that is their negotiating tactic to to play against the fans and say, look, we're all we're all equal here. We're all millionaires. They're not all millionaires. The top one percent of the top one percent of baseball players. Yeah, you can look at the big deals, the three hundred million dollar contracts, and things like that. But there are players who are far further down. And yes, they might have hundreds of thousands. And, and, and between me and you, Peter, we, we don't have that kind of money. Well, at least I certainly don't. <laughs> what I would say is these players are part of a business and they, they deserve to earn the money that, that is rightfully theirs. And yeah, they, they're going to have to fight tooth and nail for it. I'm with you. I'm with you. For some, I mean, there's only a certain amount of players, right? There's, well, uh, how many players are there active and live? There's 30 teams. 26 on the you know there's 780 players um at one moment in time on the on the active rosters i guess the 40 man equally um could expand it out but 780 of the most elite dudes and probably more than half of them are earning the lead the league minimum of like quarter, uh, half a million bucks or whatever it is which for an elite person half a million in the sports world is is low <laughs> it really is in the short span of a career. The point you're making is the careers will last what I think the average length of a major league career right now is just under five years. I think I read somewhere recently. So that maybe they'll maybe earn what $3 million in that time, perhaps on average. And so it's not a lot for an elite sportsman. It really isn't. And that's all your career. That's, that's all, all you've got to live on. It's all, you know, it's not like you've been training in, you know, medical sciences unless you're Pablo Lopez I guess but um, you know it's that's all you have and so that's the point I'm making earlier is that it, it's about the, the guys that aren't on the crazy 10 year 300 million contracts it isn't about them it isn't it's about doing us right for the minor leagues doing us right to let the players make the earnings out of the game that they deserve to make you know if they get into arbitration or even if they make the, the, the big leagues for me so there's a lot of there's a lot of discourse, but it comes down to the coin. And for me, it's a dangerous topic and conversation to have, and one that will get, like you said, very messy. So, oh boy, it's going to be a wild ride. And you are absolutely in the media, no doubt about it. Um, uh, Sean Barrett verified account coming your way very soon, I'm sure. So we're running out of time, um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> we need to just briefly touch on the center field options. I'd like to just get your take on it. Uh, I went through 10 external options plus three internal options over the past two pods. Um, and I was talking to no one. So what's your read on it, mate? Where do you, where do you see things going? Have I missed anyone that you think we should be considering or the Marlins should be considering as well? Um, and I guess the final question will be, where do you think that the Marlins finally go? Where do you think they actually go and, and get this centre fielder, or is he in-house already? I think ultimately, I think the, the biggest takeaway that I took from, from both your podcasts and, and the sort of the news that's circulating is that there are options out there. There are absolutely options out there that, that fit many of what the Marlins are looking for. You know, a guy that's, you know, there's, there's options out there that are offensively based and defensively, you know, lesser and, and vice versa. There are guys out there that are, are under, you know, under contract 
they've got control and there are guys that are like a Mullins is going to cost you a fortune. <laughs> and there are guys out there that, that you know, you're going to get for sort of a similar return of what Stalling's got ultimately. You know, they aren't blue chip guys. They're low to mid tier prospects. You know, the guys around the teens in, as far as the Marlins prospect rankings go. So I think, yeah, I think ultimately, you know, you, an argument could be made that there's already a centre fielder for the Marlins on the team. But I think I think what you said uh, previously was bang on in the idea that, you know, you want a guy that's absolutely a centre fielder. Mm. You know, I, I've said before that offensively, c- catcher, shortstop and centre field, I'm not too worried about the offence. I don't need a stud back there. Yeah. I need a guy that can play defensively the position. And, yeah. and there are absolutely guys out there. Um, I think there's just too many guys out there that make too much sense that the Marlins don't make a move. <laughs> there's a lot of guys that this is the intri- intriguing part. When you kind of start to dig in, uh, there's a lot of dudes that are available that equally, uh, like you said, have played center field a lot and are, and, and are handy there in, in that spot for sure. So it, it's a really intriguing spot, but I think they, you know, they will acquire someone. I just don't know who it is, but and there's many options that I'd be completely happy with. Probably all of them guys I went through, I'd be happy with. Ten guys. And if things really didn't work out and they thought, you know what? Well, not not work out. The the other interesting bit is if they go, do you know what? We we want to get Carl Schwarber. And he's gonna have to play one of the corners. And so Avi Garcia is gonna have to play center. Then okay, maybe. Like if you if you get one of the elite power hitter dudes in the corner and you go, okay, we're going to have to shuffle things around. I'd probably be okay with that too, but it isn't optimal. I don't think. And I, I do think if you're going to have a Jesus and Avi Garcia right there, I do think we need to pair it with a, uh, some speed. <laughs> I do, but. I think, I, I think it's a valid, a valid point. You know, it is a case of what I would say is that if the monster go out and get a Schwarber guy that's back first, like, just look at what they played out in the outfield in 2021. Like the fact that they're making moves, the fact that all the moves that have been made, don't forget that we extended Miggy to begin the season. We've mm. paid Sandy, we've bought in Abu, they've traded to get Stallings. They're making some Wendell as well. They're making some major moves. This yeah. is the fact that we're still saying as fans, more, Give me more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the team are responding with, we are going to, we will. Yeah, it's going to happen. This is, this is just a completely different off-season than I remember since 2012. And I don't want to compare the two because 2012 ended up being an absolute dumpster fire. Yeah. The funny thing is, is, uh, if you, I mean, clearly before the lockout, John Heyman, his Twitter for one day in particular was linking everyone everyone with the Marlins like because that that's where we're at right now the and the thing is and comes back to the point of Marte the problem is they may well link them and the Marlins may be having conversations but when it comes down to the the dollars they're probably going to be outbid in all reality if it's someone that that is that that people like so that's why I do think it does come by a trade I think that 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 will be the most likely but maybe sure but you know they mentioned that again, in the Herald article I went in, into the other day, that Schwarber was someone they were interested in, Castellanos, I think they've ruled out. So, and the other thing we shouldn't think uh, forget is 
Brian Anderson could go and play in on one of the corners and Wendell could be every day at third base. And, you know, maybe, uh, but it doesn't solve the center field issue. <laughs> I don't think it does. So, and we're going to, next week, I'm actually going to spend some time getting into the bullpen pieces too. Who's available? Who's a good fit? Who's a good match? I mean, that's probably a three, three episode special. There's so many directions the Marlins can go in, but yeah, I guess, um, you know, in summary, uh, there's still a lot of work to do. There's still a lot of work to do. Bullpen and center field remain spots that need to be added. But like you said, Sean, the Marlins have been super aggressive and they filled a lot of holes and with players that I think we all collectively like. So that's great. And we haven't given away any super name in, in, in the farm at all. So all in all, it's been a good pre-lockout uh, approach from the Marlins and we're going to have to wait and see what they do next uh, for sure um, we are bang out of time Sean Barrett thank you again for hopping on to Locked on Marlins and thank you to the listeners for making Locked on Marlins your first listen uh, I, hope, I hope you have a great Thursday uh, if you are looking for your second listen you need to head over to Locked on Bets it is daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs Hosted by your boy Q, expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. That is it with Locked On Marlins for today. We'll be back on Friday and we have, spoiler alert, some stunning guests lined up for next week. Stunning. There is, they've both been on Fish Across the Pond. I'll call it, I'll let you know that they've both been on. But I believe that next week we are going to have an influx of some guests that you will want to hear I will tease them out probably over the weekend once the scheduling happens. But stay tuned for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. In the meantime, appreciate it, guys. Back tomorrow. 